0: Hello and welcome to episode number 138 of their Giants prospects. Uh, we are at the halfway mark. It is all-star break time, a time to pause and relax and reflect on what has come before us. So we're going to do a little first half reflection. Um, with me today, I have my friend Mark DeLuke, who does a great job covering the Giants over at SF Giants Insider. Mark, how are things? Can you? How hard is it for you to switch the hats from the major league coverage to the minor league coverage these days?
1: You know, I joke with the other beat writers because, like, we'll be like in the dugout waiting for like Gabe Kapler to do like a pregame media availability, and I'm just like zoned in on BP. I'm like, y'all are reporting. I'm here to scout. Like, that's it's very much like I just it's it is very funny because it, it's it's such a it's like I've been doing the minor league thing for so long where like you know you don't you know you'll talk to players occasionally, but like the mo- the bulk of the job is just like watching and like picking the brains of scouts and like just trying to make your own opinions. And it's 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 obviously very exciting, very fun to be in the. Big- big league side you know as they say calibrate the eyes and whatnot (laughs) but it it is it it is funny because I feel my instincts coming out various where it's like oh they're just doing like an infield drill with like Kai Correa (laughs) that no one's paying attention to and I'm just there like trying to watch every rep with like you know JD Davis or whatever
0: I love the infield drills I always get there and get my little camera out and uh uh, I was so disappointed because I was supposed to be in Eugene last week and I just was ready to sit there on Iverson Arteaga taking uh taking grounders at short and like record
1: every last one of them. Anyway. there was there was a rockies guy at single a i think andy perez i want to say he's an 18 year old um and his, his if, if if y'all ever get out to some cali games early and see some andy perez uh pregame work that was really impressive that was i i, I was stoked by that when i when i went on and saw that
0: pregame work is the best yeah. um well, so we're going to take some time to, to talk about the half season that that was and this has been a half season i did yesterday i was looking through some photos for you know to put the photo at the top of a post and i was looking through some photos i shot i guess the first week of the season i'm like tyler fitzgerald what the heck is he doing here is this last year i'm like yeah. no he really was here uh, to start the year uh it's it's been a wild wild one um but let's before we start talking uh, um um the minor league side uh we have had three days of draft you and I have both been on the the zoom calls with Michael Holmes let's do a a super quick uh just first blush impressions of what the the Giants accomplished over the last uh, few days in this year's draft
1: um I'm this is one of those things and I've you know me and Renzi are working on like our draft like comprehensive guy talking to sources and I'm like having to balance as like they did what I want every team to do in every draft so to a T um but I also have to evaluate like that doesn't mean anything in terms of evaluating the prospect. So <laughs> I love, I mean, again, I love it. It's like, you know, I've done, I stole the shadow draft from Brian Reca who I know is another friend of the pod. Um, I've been doing it since actually uh, since 2019 when, when Holmes came on board and like, I think every year I've done prep first rounds and like a overslot prep later. So getting Eldridge and Wa- Bryce Eldridge and Walker Martin to very toolsy uh high school uh prospects with the first two picks is really exciting for me but i think the thing that really sort of solidifies why i i really like what they've done is they got a lot of upside but i feel like they kind of did a good job of like pairing it with some more kind of again certainty with prospects in the draft especially is, is isn't the isn't Is overstated, but you know you get Joe Whitman with that with that comp pick, who's a a a good college lefty, pretty well refined, and you feel like as a as draft picks go, very good chance to be a big league player. So you pair that with Martin's kind of swing and miss risk. You know, I mean, again, I'm from Hawaii, so Maui Ahuna, I'm all over that (laughs) pick in round four. But you know, if I I, I, as much as I would have been happy about the pick wherever they got him, just because of the Hawaii connection, there's no doubt some swing and miss there's some issues there and so um, the the fact that you know you get him in round four after getting Cole Foster in Auburn shortstop uh, in, in round three who's sort of a bit more of a you know spread around tool profile doesn't seem to have any huge weaknesses in the game. It's like, okay, we, we we now have these swings where if you hit on an Ahuna and a Walker Martin, you're talking about a really great class. And if you don't, you still have other players. If those guys don't necessarily pan out, you still have other players who I feel pretty good about having big league careers.
0: Yeah. From a, from a kind of big picture perspective, uh, I feel like the last couple of years when I'm doing the winter kind of system overview things, one thing I've been saying consistently, just looking at the organization is, they're really light on left-handers. They're right on left-handed power hitters, specifically le- left-handed hitters in general and left-handed pitchers are really kind of scarce in the organization. So to see them really hammer the left side, uh, both pitcher and and hitters, I, I was impressed by that. Uh, I also think, you know, this is an organization that, that you know, frequently gets criticized for being a little risk averse. Their strategy in the draft, I think we can say now after, you know, four years um, with Michael Holmes has not been... Risk averse. They have taken some very risky picks at the top of the draft uh, for high upside. Um, like I said, creativity, versatility—these are things they prize, and they do do some real outside the box thinking, uh, which I enjoy seeing. And I, I think the other thing that I I have sort of picked up as a trend this year is, I mean, there are a lot of guys you can look at in the draft who you, who who we call like model guys or data guys. You know, they have they do good things on the data, but I think the Giants do a good job of really marrying the data. With the you know full throated chew on the desk, um, uh, eyes on the ground from their area yeah. scouts. So it's when the data comes together with a real persuasive argument from their from their regional guys that they are making these picks. Uh, which is you know I mean that's how the Rays find success in all their trades. They marry data and and area scouts. Uh, it's a really good approach. So uh, I'm kind of appreciating that side of what they do as well.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. I think, you know, I think to to start what you I 100% agree with what you're talking about when it comes to risk. You know, I think we have a tendency – I mean this was something that even I think you and I who've kind of uh, talked about where even like the John Barr late picks, late drafts that kind of didn't necessarily have the same success, people were saying it's because they weren't drafting enough upside or enough tools. It's like, well, no, they just didn't pan out. Like Joey right. Bart had huge tools. Elliot Ramos right. had huge tools. You know, like that. Like it's a, a guy doesn't pan out doesn't mean they didn't have that upside. It just means, you know – and again, Bart and Ramos are still young enough to pan out. But even again, you can talk like the the power bats, the Brian Ruggieras, the <laughs> – you know, all those Cape Cod League home run derby winners, you know. They had big power, just that they, they they didn't necessarily hit on one. Eddie um, Martinez Esteve. Oh, going back <laughs> the, to the my great hitter I, that wasn't no, I think number three prospect in the first baseball America handbook. I got those oh, six way back in the day. Um <laughs> I shouldn't say way back in the day, Raj. I'm sorry. Um, but uh yeah, no, it's uh again you got Hunter Bishop, you have Reggie Crawford um being first round picks and, and again now a prep two way player in Eldridge and you know Walker Martin who they're going. Going to give first round money to obviously again, Kyle Harrison, a guy they gave first round money to who was probably viewed as a second, third round prospect and who had this commitment to UCLA and you're coming off the COVID spring. So you didn't get to see him a lot as a senior in high school. I mean, that's a huge risk and, and, yeah. and they, and, and, and they've done that. And again, they've, you know, again, I, I thought they were, people were really overly critical of the farm system and draft heading into the year. I really did. I just thought that was a lot of kind of people who aren't super into familiar with how farm systems operate who are being a way overly critical again as, as as even with someone who again you know it's you and I are currently on the summer uh, Patrick Bailey apology tour <laughs> um, sure. but but even with, with like our views of Bailey it was still like no this these drafts there's no way you can say like these drafts have been full on flops per se or, or there's been a consistent pattern here I think there was some hits some misses and again this year now you're seeing a lot of even some of the, the again one of the biggest potential misses and a guy like Bailey is now arguably one of the biggest hits
0: yeah yeah so well let's so let's talk a little Patrick Bailey Um, let's turn to uh, the first half impressions yes Patrick Bailey was a prospect this year believe it or not Um, let's start big picture what are you kind of like either the major impressions uh, that 2023 is hit you with or maybe more major storylines you've seen in, in the organization what really pops out to you about the first three months
1: you know, I, I remember a few years ago when it was like MLB released their like batch of old scouting reports on good players. And there was the Hunter Pence one. And it was like a scout who's just like having kind of a deterioration as like the report goes. And like the final line is like, he's actually really good. And, I, I've unle- and now I don't know anything about baseball. I think <laughs> I have to quit. And like, that's kind of been my story this year with like Bailey, just because... Again, like I again, I I, I want to clarify too. And again, I'm saying this in good fun and jest. And like, I love to be wrong about prospects under. Like, I I want every prospect to be better than I think they can be. It's like, so I I want to stay in here again. I'm to be clear. I'm making myself the butt of this joke. I was wrong about um what Bailey what what I thought Bailey's potential was. But yeah, that my impression, frankly, has been a lot of last year for whatever reason, just kind of. Just was a down year for a lot of guys who weren't, you know, like, you know, Luis Matos again, coming in. I mean, we've seen some incredible jumps in like tools, just playing differently. I mean, you know, for Matos to transform his approach the way it did to start the year at Richmond after looking overmatched at high a last season, as a young guy, you know, like, I think a lot of us expected him to repeat at Eugene and he starts the year at, at Richmond. And he looks and all of a sudden he's overmatched for the pitching he's going up <laughs> against. And, you know, again, like some of the walk rates and haven't necessarily continued as he's moved up, but I, it, it, I haven't, you know, at bat quality hasn't deteriorated too much for me on that front. I think it's just been you know kind of adjusting to competition that's doesn't have to be as afraid of what he can do with his power and stuff like that. So they're throwing in more strikes. Um, but no, I think my overall sense of the system is it's been you know last year was a year where it was undeniably a down year for the system. But sometimes a down year is just because a guy gets hurt or doesn't perform up to his tools, and that doesn't change the long term projection. It's just kind of is disappointing because you know you want a guy to be hitting three fifty. And it helps things move along and it helps fans get more excited about a player. And this year's kind of been, I think, the reverse, where we're seeing a lot of guys kind of overperform, uh expectate, outperform expectations, you know, and uh, and again, even some guys who are struggling, you know, I think we can talk about like Grant McRae or Iverson Artiaga, in the context of what we've seen from this system in the new realignment of the minors, even those struggles aren't necessarily viewed in the way I think. You know, like Louis, what Luis Matos has done, what Patrick Bailey has done, has made us rethink how we're gonna evaluate players struggling in Eugene, like Grant McRae, yeah. like Iverson Arteaga. And so now we also it now makes the entire system, I think, feel it's a, it's a lit easier a bit easier to evaluate, or maybe not easier to evaluate, but I think I have a better sense than I did last year or the year before.
0: Yeah, I do think we're getting we're starting to get a much better feeling about the complications involved in Eugene specifically, uh, and the Northwest League, the the weather problems, uh, the travel problems. So the scouts pointed that out to me that this is the first time guys are doing six, seven hour bus drives. That mm-hmm. that's not typical in the Cal League. You have the one long north south, but they only do that once a year. Uh so these weekly six, eight bu- bus drives are are difficult um the the fact that they can't access their facilities before about five o'clock in the afternoon for the first two months of the year is really problematic i mean that's where a lot of this work that shows up in games takes place and the fact that they can't prepare uh the want to i think that's a big issue um so so there's there's just a lot of things going on in that location um but i mean this is i think the big storyline of this year is Bailey and Macho specifically, uh, the move that they made and how quickly they made it from kind of struggling in A-ball to helping the big league club. Uh, you know, Dave Fleming was on on my podcast last fall. And one of the things he said that really stuck in my mind was, uh, I can't remember if it was if it was Farhan or if it was Carl Haynes who said, you know, the slow play thing's is not going to work anymore. We have to challenge these guys a little more. And that clearly has been like the top storyline of the year. They have challenged guys and guys who have successfully responded to those challenges they have moved aggressively um and yeah i i think when it comes to bailey and Matas, both but really bailey i think a lesson i'm taking with me is to appreciate as most major league teams do appreciate the value of floors more than mm-hmm. than i have because uh, patrick bailey was clearly a high floor guy even with some of the struggles in eugene um which I should have had him ranked higher just based on that. Now what he's done this year is I don't think anybody should have ranked him based on what was coming because he had to go out and make those changes and and do the self-assessment and the work to really improve his game from where he's been the last few years to where he is this year. The 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 skills with sort of handling pitching and and defensive skills were there as a really solid floor. But he did a lot of work. Matos did a lot of work on their game and how to become better players. Uh, and and all the credit goes to them for that. Aside from Patrick Bailey, who I think we could probably, you and I could talk about for an hour because it's such a fascinating development
1: uh, story. And who because th- I now don't know what he's going to be. Like there's also like, yeah. it's like, yeah. that's the other thing too, is it's not just, I was wrong in my evaluation. It's again, like, and you know, I, I always love drop this in the prospect chat we have is like part of it is like Bailey even this year he didn't hit left-handed pitching in the minors and he has like a thousand OPS like he's actually done worse against righties and lefties and so again there's a part of me that is maybe that's a bit unsustainable but there's another part of me it's like maybe again like it's it's it is again like you said I didn't I think appreciate the floor enough again it's one of those things catchers are kind of also a very difficult yes because it's 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 just the the offensive profile like it's basically you know it used to be right if you go back to like the 80s or, or 70s right like Catcher, shortstop, center field, second base were all kind of positions where the hitting barometer expectation just was far lower when it came to prospects because defense and even just like speed on the base pass, except catcher, but um was valued. And now catcher's really kind of the only one left that there's really a um like when you look at the there's not 10 guys in the league at least who are really like elite level hitters that's the yeah. catchers the only one left that hasn't happened with and so i think for me too um particularly also not you know obviously i'm i'm still quite young like i I'm, I'm also young in terms of like my familiarity with farms and accounting and because I've been so giant centric and because they had Buster Posey, like I also, you know, uh, fo- following and properly evaluating catchers, like really the only premium catcher that sort of I had experience with uh, that's like gone through any PD process was Bart. And so that was, like another thing as well. So I'm just, yeah, again, I, I, this will be my last Patrick Bailey thought until you circle back. Cause you're right. We could do this for hours, but yeah, it's just cause I'm now. So I'm so very excited to see the player Patrick Bailey becomes and what that looks like. Cause I really don't know, but I, I'm, I'm excited to see it.
0: I mean, you're not kidding. That the fact that he has more, literally, more right-handed home runs in the majors than in his two plus minor league career uh, is incredible. And I, I'm sure I, I have a text to you in, in, a, in a in a in a little chat at the beginning of the year after I talked to him and and you know he'd kind of laid out what kind of hitter he wanted to be, which he's very successfully done. And I'd watch him in BP, and I'm like, the left-handed swing looks really good. Eh, right-handed swing still a little stiff. And then he yeah. just goes up and starts hitting. Bumps. After
1: he hit the homer, he was like, yeah, I guess it's I don't even know what's really happened. Like, he doesn't <laughs> seem to have an explanation either. He's just like, yeah, I'm glad it's working.
0: OK, so non-Bailey, non Bailey, um, non Louis Matos. Who are your big surprises for the year? That could be, you know, positive native. We like positive. So we'll stick to the, the good yeah. surprises. Who are the guys that pop out to you as like that is a really pleasant surprise?
1: Yeah, you know, I think you know who I'm going to say with this question because I think you want to talk about him too, um. And I, I think you know, one thing, obviously, uh, do a little plug. Z and I uh, just came out with our like midseason updated rankings o- over on our uh, over on Giants Baseball Insider, and. You know, there, part of it is obviously like recalibrating with like dudes who've really changed their profile or done something you didn't expect. Matos Bailey, obviously a perfect example. Some of it, though, is also realizing like, oh, I just like made a mistake in my preseason ranking. Like I overlooked a guy and uh, th- that to me is Jeremy Maldonado. Like in terms of like I looked, it was one of those things like, honestly, I think you probably you put me on the radar when sort of he was starting to get on that hot streak at San Jose and, y- and you were talking pretty highly of him. And then so then I go back, I'm watching his like I watch kind of all of his starts or watch a, a few of his starts and then i go back and like look at how he performed last year i look at his numbers in the acl i'm like oh yeah this guy was doing this in the acl last year like i was you know i i'm again i, I wish we'd gotten to see manzano in that san jose rotation this year because i was excited yeah. to see kind of he, how he adjusted with a very different profile to full season competition but it was just one of those things i was like oh this is again he's not like the 10th best prospect in this org for me i might be a little rich on him but my thing is like he's 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 reminding me of what I saw from you know Pralander Baroa and Seth Corey at this level. Um, and again for Corey it was a different level of competition, but so it's probably not a fair comparison. But like both those guys were were older than Maldonado. Obviously, there's some you know we're gonna have to see how the command develops. We're gonna to see how the consistency develops. But for a guy his youth, a dude who's showing like holding mid 90s velocity if not high 90s velocity at times a a hammer of a breaking ball some some good feel um on the mound and it just i i mean again like it's a dude who you see really really high upside in and again you know on, on the heels of the conversation maybe i should be prioritizing floor a bit more than i have been but again i just what he's done even though again i think his era is north of five at san jose he's kind of had like There was like, I think a four or five start stretch where he was really dominant and then kind of, otherwise it's been inconsistent, but you know, again, at his age, he's 19 years old. He'll be 20 in December. Um, And again, you know, doing it, um, you know, those he's done, he's had enough flashes for me that I I think he's, his ceiling is high enough uh, that that I'm, I'm starting to be kind of moved towards all in on him.
0: Yeah, obviously, I'm a big Maldonado fan. And I've told the story before, when I went to the ACL last year, I texted a bunch of scouts I know who, who hang out there. And I said, who do I need to see? And like, multiple of them wrote back and said, better see Maldonado if you have a chance. And I'm like, Oh, okay, And uh, and, you know, he's he's, repeating the delivery is a work in progress for him. But, um, you know, Dan Rensler, who I know you've talked to, you know, raves about his his acumen, his mound presence, his ability to learn and make justice uh, adjustments. And when you pair that to probably the only guy other than Reggie Crawford throwing, you know, 98, um, it's a pretty special package. So I'll name somebody who kind of similar is a good surprise in that there were a lot of things like there, but you've thought the push up to full season ball would be a bigger adjustment. Uh, And that's Diego Velasquez. Mm -hmm. I, I had a long conversation with, uh, somebody in the in the winter about him. And they're like, yeah, I mean, it's a gorgeous swing. Uh, the Giants have really wanted to see him maybe uh, get a little more Jesus in him when it comes to the weight room and putting on strength and weight. And and I had someone say, you know, this is probably going to be a lesson for this. It's going to be a learning year for him. Um, <laughs> and and instead, he, he had like a two month period where he was hitting 400 uh, and really was the catalyst for that lineup uh, for for most of the first half when they were the dominant team. In the Cal League. And, and that's been borne out by scouts I've seen who come there. You know, I get a lot of people because, you know, we're, we're in the weeds and most scouts don't think most guys are in the weeds. I'll, I'll talk to a lot of scouts who've been in California and they're like, you know who I think's a big leaguer on that club? And I'm like, Diego Velasquez. And they're like, yeah. oh, yeah, you know him. <laughs> <laughs> like, yep, I know Diego Velasquez. Um, so seeing him have so much success at 19 even when he does need a lot more physicality to his game and a lot more strength and and i I, there are people who question is he really a middle infielder because he's Mm -hmm. not a twitchy athlete you know he's not great you know feet um but he's smooth he makes the plays he's got good acumen uh good baseball iq and he really does have two gorgeous swings uh so i i think that's going to go a long way for him
1: and i will say too and again i've only gotten to do the in-person trip to san jose like once this year so i haven't gotten to see these guys in person as much as i like but i've, I've watched a good amount of video he has such good at bats like obviously like again yeah. like when we talk about the young guys you know and like yes he has the, the like again i agree with you like he, he has a really nice swing but the thing for me that just stands out is and, and he was a guy too who you know kind of we flagged early on obviously he was a prominent ifa signing so we were signing him or we were watching him closely the giants have been pretty aggressive again they send him straight to the the acl or whatever and even when he struggled even when it was very clear he was not impacting the ball enough because you know just his size and youth his strikeout rates were like he was putting the ball in play a lot and so you kind of have an expectation with a switch hitter who's putting the ball in play a lot not impacting a lot it's like oh he's probably swinging at bad pitches he's you know his, his approach isn't great and it's it's truly i mean i mean again like um You know, again, this is I'm not making a comparison. It's unfair. But again, coming from like I you know, when you're coming from watching the Giants as consistently as I have in person and like seeing Lamont Wade hit and then like going to watch Velasquez, and I was like Wow. Velasquez is like reminding me of like some of the, the better giants in terms of just like how he's approaching these at bats and stuff. Um, that, that, that to me just adds sort of e- even more to like well, he's a 19 year old with who's, you know, not striking out 20% of the time has a yeah. walk rate North of 10% and is also has, and, and has a swing that you're like, I don't think there's any super big holes in it. And like you said, the question is, can he impact the ball? Can he be an impactful enough defender for that to play? But man, the, the, the other stuff, um, you know, again, like it, it's, he's very different because of his age than Wade Meckler, but it's like, there's, there's some similarities to Wade Meckler in there um, in, in terms of the, the things they really excel at.
0: Yeah. He's interesting because he's not a bat speed guy. No. He really is just an extremely rhythmic hitter. He's just got a natural rhythm for hitting. Um, But I mean, but you're right. I've got, I couldn't tell you how much video I have of Diego Velasquez, hitting ground out. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, spring training, ACL, spring training, ACL. i got two years of him hitting ground outs. Um, but it's not because he's swinging at bad pitches. It was just a matter of strength. Um, and so this, I'll tee up a guy I'm sure you want to talk about speaking of, hitting ground balls and uh, and now learning to to put the ball in the air. Um, Victor Barracotto had something like a 50% ground ball rate last year at San Jose. This year, that's dropped down closer to 40%. And it's making a huge, huge difference. I know this is a guy who's really, you know, you're jumping up your, your rankings, you and Renzi.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely, and and uh, again, Renzi couldn't join us. He just woke up with some migraines today, so our our, our hearts are with him right now. um But he was someone who I got to give credit because he was on Barracuda like heading into the year and was super high on him. Saw him as like he's like, yeah, he's gonna break out this year, Eugene. So so yeah. credit to to Renzi there. Yeah, I mean, he was a guy. I, I just remember you know watching San Jose again. I was able to get out to San Jose more consistently last year, and just every time like he's having good at bats, he's impacting the ball again. Like it's going into the ground a lot. Um, But yeah, and and the you know it's one of those things like the defensive tools are there to be better than it plays. I think you've written quite a bit about like you know and but again for me when I'm looking at a you know a 20 year old at single A I go look there's you know there's still a path for him to to become a solid defensive outfielder or a really good defensive first baseman. Although again there's a I want to emphasize there's a long way to go for that. Um, But yeah, I mean the the approach was, was was already there. You you saw the power. Uh, on occasion, you know, it was, it was again like it, it wasn't something you were seeing, you know, it wasn't something you were seeing super consistently, but it was something you were seeing pretty good flashes of. Yeah. Um, and he was a guy who, you know, I was I, I think I I might have texted you. I might have texted Renzi. I was like, I think this guy's gonna be my new Diego Rinconas in a year or two. You know, (laughs) like he this is the guy who like I, I can see the reason scouts are gonna probably be low on him. I think you know there's some limitations in the tool set, but man, I think this dude can hit and um and again, to, to see him do what he's done this year at Eugene, again, with all the things we've talked about with all the dudes who've struggled there, right? That's, I mean, again, part of the thing too, again, and he hit, hit the ground running. He didn't, you know, it's, it's, it's really been impressive to see. And like you said, tapping into the power more again, I'm very curious to see how this goes in Richmond for him. Obviously, I think he's off to a fairly good start um, a few games in, but yeah. Um, because you know i do think that the interesting thing about the northwest league and eugene is that all the environmental factors are really tough particularly for hitters but if but like the parks themselves if you have a like will wilson was kind of an example of this right where right um like certain guys you know i think it does there's like a certain kind of power profile that can like that does really is crush northwest league even with these other things um and so it, it's i mean again, casey schmidt right Casey Schmidt yeah 17 home example. runs yeah yeah um and, and so um but yeah no i mean it's it's been really fun to see Barracotto. and I, i'm curious to see how Richmond goes cuz you know i i don't think he's currently a guy who Ha- because of the defensive issues and and again like you've written about it's like he's doing it without using his back foot at all like hey, <laughs> he's yeah. getting no power from it it's like it's a very uh, again not a comp but it's a very hank aaron swing right it's like it's all wrists it's all upper body and um and so there's a part of you it's like man if you could ever add that part but it's also um you know I, I think that's where he's not in rule five consideration i think given what he did at high a. that said if he does some crazy stuff at richmond i think that really changes the conversation a bit which is interesting yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, some guys just have swings that work for them. You know, Bo yeah. the classic example of that. It was fairly low in the draft because people are like, oh, I don't like that swing. Uh, you know, scouts do not like Victor Barracuda's swing. He, like, no. picks his back foot up as he's supposed to be driving off, and he picks it up and, like, shifts it backwards. I'm like, what are you doing, man? Scouts will say, can you just, like, nail that foot down somewhere? Um, but you know, he really, he can't hit. I mean, he's got feel for it. He's got a good approach and seeing him add power to his game is, is pretty impressive. And now the next thing is a big part of Patrick Bailey's story was really getting stronger this winter. Mm-hmm. That's something the giants have wanted to see from him the last couple of years, uh, because catchers have such a workload and he really dedicated himself to that this year. And, and it paid off. I think, you know, with Barracotta, they'd like to see him get leaner, faster, maybe quicker if he's a, you know, another Tick of speed in the will really help him stick in the outfield.
1: What's been um, your take on the Barracuda defense this year? Because sort of uh, again, I haven't gotten to see guys as closely. Like, has there been a step in the right direction? Because I know, like the very simple counting stats have been better, but I'm just curious. Yeah,
0: I, I will I will table that until I actually get down uh, and start seeing him in 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 person a little more in the next in the coming weeks uh I know last year uh, when he was at San Jose he he impressed me as being a little stiff just just mm-hmm. his roots and his and his running looked a little stiff so we'll see if he's, sure. he's a little more limber um okay well let's flip to the other side who are uh, are there players you're concerned about with their offseason and, and let's mm-hmm. just frame this with the context of last year we might have said we were really concerned about louis matos and, and yeah. patrick bailey so
1: right being concerned doesn't mean yeah. oh, who's the next patrick bailey that's what who's you're saying um, bailey? That's what I'm asking um i think one who i think i have uh, i think i'm actually a bit i mean it's concerning but i think i i still am i didn't move him like down a tier in my my re-rank is eric silva i think a dude who obviously has uh you know struggle I mean again he was a guy who was young right did kind of the Harrison thing straight from high school to full season ball um uh, obviously wasn't a guy with Harrison's uh prospect pedigree and, and you know didn't do as well at single a last year but had some flashes um in, in some sense I think had some sort of Maldonado-esque moments although this stuff's very different but you know in terms of like kind of kind of a five start stretch here, six start stretch there. Um, that that was really good, but I think still in the area close to five, if not north of it. Um, and then moves to high A this year. And it's been some of the same. Seems like the stuff has kind of taken a step back as well, yeah. um, which is, you know, obviously something that, that makes you worried again. I'm kind of hopeful. Is like, this is a dude who had one full season under his belt is still very young. And again, you know, I, I do wonder a lot of the Giants hitters have been the ones who struggled Northwest league because they don't get that prep. But for a young pitcher, I could see how, you know, sort of facility adjustment, longer travel could also have some detrimental effects there that I'm kind of hoping um he could push you. I mean, I remember seeing like Mason black at Eugene in person last year. And I was, I think lower on black. I've been lower on black than I probably should have been Um, because just in the, in the looks I saw, he looked kind of a, a, a bit more worn down um yeah. and, and stuff. So, um, but I mean, again the, the, whenever you have a pitcher and the stuff you know takes a step back um particularly when there's someone who doesn't have like great command who is very much a developmental arm like that's something that i think um you zoom in on for for sure and uh i think probably another one uh who i've I, i've been really high on i thought randy rodriguez was the best relief pitching prospect in the system coming into the year um rj dabovich would have been in, in that conversation probably obviously dabovich is just injuries rodriguez has been consistency and just kind of i think still kind of trying to refine fastball command and and get some consistency with that
0: yeah i mean i i i love randy uh he's fun to watch uh he's got really dynamic stuff uh he's also a really great kid um he he remains my number one this guy is very likely to get traded this this mm-hmm. this year because other teams love him too you know, he's a very sought after commodity who doesn't throw as many strikes as the giants like to see out of relievers um and he's on the 40 man that's a that that just seems like a combination of things that may move him uh, i totally agree with you on Silva. he is probably my number one concern the stuff has backed up this year uh, i've had scouts say you know that he just doesn't look as explosive off the mound the the fastball's lower the command is sort of degenerated with it um and he's not a particularly, even though he's young, he's not a really projectable body. Um, mm-hmm. He's 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 smaller and he's he's fairly thick uh, upper body these days. Um, so there's not a, a lot of, he's not going to start adding uh, a lot of muscle on there. So I am a little worried about him. He's obviously moved back to the complex lately uh, to kind of try and work on his delivery. Uh, and then the other guy for me is Ryan Reckley. Ryan Reckley is having a, a true yeah. uh, kind of a disaster of a season after his first year was wiped out by a fluke injury. Uh, he's not hitting at all. He's striking out a lot. He's making a lot of errors and uh, it, it just looks like the game's a little fast for him in Arizona this year, which is a little worrisome uh, for, for a guy that they spent over $2 million on last year and who they, I know they really love.
1: Yeah, no, he was a guy. And the other thing too, right. Like one of the things, you know, that they kind of talked about and and really highlighted with him was like, they thought really like advanced profile and like was someone who they thought could hit the ground running. So, um, it's, it's, you know, whenever, again, I mean, that's, you know, again, it's the draft it's I mean international free agency. It's all these things. It's like, it's, it's tough and, and <laughs> it's it's a tough adjustment going from playing amateur ball, playing showcases, working out on your own to, to being a pro. And, you know, some guys are just unable, you know, some guys can't make the adjustment, some guys it takes time. And again, who, you know, like and that's the thing too, right? Like all these guys have lives and who knows what's happening behind the scenes too, that can have impacts and beyond guys' minds that we just don't know, you know? And so, yeah. um, so yeah, I, 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 I would second that as well with Reckley, I think. um, But uh, yeah. I like your point too about
0: you always have to beware of seeing guys when, for whatever reason, they're not at their best. Uh, I was Joe Panic was in Richmond a few uh, weeks ago, and I told him, you know, I like, I saw you, you know, in Richmond in double A. And I later learned he had like, there was a a lingering groin thing, but he's like, he wasn't fast. He wasn't quick in the field. He was struggling to run bases. And I, and I, Aside from hitting, uh, which he also had his worst year hitting that year, I'm, and uh, you can't over rely on a look. Uh, Keaton yeah. Wynn was a guy who I saw him in in Eugene. He looked great, but then at the end of the year in Richmond, guys were hitting the fastball, but he was just tired. It was his mm-hmm. first year in three years, and the innings pile up, and you get tired. And you should never
1: make too big a deal out of a kid who's tired. I mean, like Luis Matos last year, I think is a great example. Is like I saw I yeah you know, I saw Eugene for a week. A week after Kevin Cunningham, another friend of the pod, saw Eugene for a week or maybe two weeks after, and I, you know, talking to Kevin and you know Kevin dropping things in the group chat, right? Like, um, Mato's just doesn't look like he knows what he's doing up there. Like, looks really slow. And then I showed up, and so I was kind of expecting that. I was really worried because you know, you know, again, he was a guy we would have mentioned last year, and he was a guy I've I've been very high on as as you were. And I saw him and was like this kind of looks like the Luis Matos I saw at San Jose. Like, it seems <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, it seems like he was, you know, because I'd seen a video, it's like, it looks like he's really got kind of in his own head about approach. I think that's kind of something we're seeing with Casey Schmidt right now at the big league level for yeah for, for, for Giants fans. Um, and it was like, oh, I, he's only swinging at fastballs. It's very clear he simplified it. And so I saw him and it's like, yeah, he's squaring up some fastballs. Yeah, the breaking balls are getting them, but I see very clearly what's happening right now. They're like, just swing at the fastballs. And again, it was also the thing of, You know, he had the quad injury that you heard about and it was, well, how much of that is having an impact? And, you know, it's again, looking back, it seems like it had a big one, but it was, you know, whenever you have a guy playing through an injury or played with an injury, there's always the who knows, you know, who knows what that means. And different guys also have different thresholds, right? Like some players, um, you know, some players are can be successful with a limited version of themselves more often than others i'm like i think matos is someone who as you know you've written about like is not as toolsy as you may think sort of going on the surface of young player who's performed really well he's actually kind of a sum of like uh you know the sum is greater than the individual parts um and so I, i do wonder too if he's someone who that like one little injury that takes a little bit off is going to have a bigger impact with, um, or, 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 you know, like, I I think that might be a a little thing we saw last year as well. So yeah, totally. It's, it's the, you got to be cautious of one look and 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 trying not to get too caught up in, again, that's why it's, you know, both of us, right. It's, you're trying to do that mix of, well, I have my opinion, but I also trust these experts who are doing this and these people in the industry. And it's trying to balance all those things when you're putting a ranking together and talking about the system.
0: Uh, yeah. Okay. So Talking about Louis Matos, let's talk a little rankings. Uh, you know, you did you and Reggie just brought in your rankings. I'm I'm finishing touches on my mid season rankings right now. Um, it's to me re- a really interesting conversation about these guys at the top, and I'm going to include Bailey in this, even though uh, mm-hmm. he's very close to graduating. I think he did graduate. Um, but you take that group now: Bailey, Matos, Luciano, Harrison. How are you? separating those guys out. How do you see the differences between those guys now that we see two of these guys succeeding in the majors or or having some success in the majors, two other guys still, you know, working on aspects of the game in the minors? How do you kind of stack that that group up at this point?
1: Yeah, I'll say Renzi and I kind of are, are in different places on this and, and I mean again, we agree it's the top 4 and then kind of from there there's a little shakeup cuz I I have I think Bailey at this point if I had to pick one, I'm probably picking Bailey. Um I think Obviously, a big part of it is he's had the most big league success, and that's usually the best predictor of, you know, it's the reason I say go pay free agents, because generally speaking, <laughs> if they've been good in the bigs before, they'll probably be good later. Yeah. Um. So that's part of it. And again, like getting back to our conversation, it's the floor ceiling combination of Bailey, like of these four prospects, there are. You know, I think there are more logical stories for the other three, sort of not having impactful big league careers or long big league careers than Bailey. And I think all of them will, but it's just I think there's more avenues where Bailey. I think at this point, again, even if the bat really regresses, you're still probably talking about platoon bat catcher. You know, assuming health and stuff, um, and, and and so that was just like. Okay, we have the floor for him, and what he's done these first two months of his big league career is show ceiling. You know, I don't know how sustainable this is, but like, man, this looks a lot like Yasmani Grandal, and that's a heck. You know, like, like this, like what he's showing is like some big time um, impact catcher that, you know. Giants uh, fans know quite well what that can do for a franchise. And so um that was sort of where I settled in on that and then it was kind of figuring out the other 3 because right Matos <laughs> has the le- Matos has the least impressive tools. He also has the most impressive performance and is the youngest granted they're all quite young. You know, Luciano, you know, Harrison's the pitcher, which usually comes with upside with with some downside risk just on pitcher injuries and regression. But Luciano probably has the most concerning injury track record. <laughs> um, but Luciano also has 40 homer potential. Like, he's really, really good. Um, and so I'll say, for, I think Renzi had, He's all, Renzi's always been a big Harrison fan. Um, and I think for him, he still has concerns about The offensive profiles for Bailey, Luciano, Matos. I think he's still a little concerned. There'll be offensive regression for Bailey. I think Luciano there's obvious swing and miss stuff that um, is is concerns, and then Matos is just whether he has enough pop to like be a consistent impact. And so I think he has. You know, we kind of do kind of a, if you're familiar with like fan graphs or like the future value tiering. And so I think he has Harrison as his only 55. And then um, let me see here. Yeah. He has then Bailey, Luciano, Matos rounding out his 50s, where I have all four in the 55 range. I have Bailey at the top. Then I have Matos. Then I have Luciano and Harrison. And I think the thing for me was look, Matos has been the ultimately is like when I have a situation I can't, I feel like I need a tiebreaker. I'm going to go on youth and I'm going to go on track record. And it's like, okay, I got these three guys, man. I can really wrap myself in a pretzel about all four of them. Honestly, you can throw them in any order. I'm not going to argue with you, but Matos is the youngest and Matos like has crushed like crushed triple a absolutely demolished triple a and has looked pretty okay in the majors and again harrison has looked quite good at triple a at times but it's not been dominant you know there's been some issues luciano is obviously still at double a looked very good at times shown flashes um but you know ultimately is still double a and so that's sort of where i end up kind of sliding in there um and also because luciano's kind of defensive questions i think with matos is like there's a pretty solid fourth outfielder back fall back here um and then i then i went to i go luciano over harrison and again maybe it's a little too legacy i'm i'm probably the reason luciano is in the top 50 for b baseball prospectus <laughs> is mid-season 50 because he was off the list and Wizenhunt was on it and i was like no this is this is i am adamant that that i i think I mean, again, there's no doubt there's concerns with the defense. No doubt there's concerns with the strikeouts and the injuries. It's just I I do just feel like, man, prospect fatigue is hitting hard with a guy like Luciano. And he's still basically the age of a guy who's a college eligible pick in this year's draft. The strikeouts are high, but it's not bad at bat quality. He's walking at an increment, tremendous degree. And the power is so easy. There's genuinely no one else in the system who, and frankly, I can't remember someone else in the system who I just see when he makes contact so consistently impact the ball to the degree Luciano does. Again, Harrison's an incredible pitching prospect. Again, like me ranking him fourth, it's not about harrison it's about how much i just think luciano you know i i, I think you're the one who sort of made is like i could see luciano being a chris bright and like again there's obvious there's also again I you could also see yeah. luciano being patrick wisdom right like but i still think um I, i'm still really uh not all in but like very high on on what luciano can be and i think um he'll, he'll put it together and again not that i think harrison won't but i think the you know, I, I think Harrison being a mid rotation starter is still probably where I see this going. Like, you know, I, I think there's a lot, you know, like, frankly, like Blake Snell this year has become an ace, but you look at Blake Snell before this year and it was kind of, uh, I think something you could kind of see being Kyle Harrison, which again is a great pitcher. Like I, I like yeah. that would be a great outcome for him. Um, you know, with kind of like a Jonathan Sanchez type floor. Right. But I, I think Luciano has, uh, I I I am believing more in Luciano's ability to get to that 95th percentile, that 98th percentile star that with Harrison is sort of where I again truly Razor's edge. There, there are a lot of
0: industry scouting tropes in this group. Like yes, catchers, left-handed hitting catchers with good defense. The industry loves these guys. Left-handed pitchers who get swing and miss with their fastball, the industry loves these guys. Uh, guys who can play on the dirt with power the industry loves these guys those profiles are going to be valuable right yeah, um I, so I, I'm a, I am with you that if I were doing the, the ranking of the that group today that I think I would have Bailey won uh, and it's even if you massively regress the offense and and I'm with you I have no idea what he is as a hitter <laughs> at this point um but even if you say okay there's a lot of regression coming. What he had shown, the value he is showing with the ability to shut down a running game, uh, which is really valuable with the new rules, uh, the handling of pitchers, the framing. If this guy is Yadier Molina with the bat, he's a two, three win player every year. And I can't point to anybody else in this organization and say, I think this guy is good for three wins every year. Um, Yeah. It's it's just not there. So I have to put him one.
1: The other three are kind of driving me crazy. I don't know what to do with Harrison. <laughs> I um, had a lot of conversations with my dad, who's a Lifelong Giants fan, who I always heard. Of. And it was truly hours of me just tying myself in a pretzel because <laughs> there's there's a, there's a case for all of the I mean, again, yeah. all four of these guys, there's a case to be number one, all four. it's It's like so there's there's no wrong answer. But yeah, it's it's it's. I,
0: I, yeah. I, I kind of fall back on, I don't want to move people around too much because you look reactive. Uh, I know how part of Harrison's story this year is the ABS, which really has something weird going on with it in Sacramento. Um, it's not great strike throwing, but it is great bat missing. And like Blake Snell's a great outcome. Blake Snell could be on his way to a second Cy Young award this year. And, uh, big pile of money this winter. So uh, that's a good outcome. Montos and Luciano for me are the real, it's such a great sort of academic question. I had a scout say to me, I don't know anybody who has watched those two play for the last three years, who doesn't come away saying Luis Matos is the better baseball player. If you take everything you do on a field, yeah. Matos is better at it. But I've also had someone say to me recently, you know, it's as simplifying as this is, Power is what defines a player's ceiling. Yeah. And L- Marco Luciano has legitimate 40 homer power. That is more valuable than almost anything else you can do <laughs> on a field. And I, as I'm watching him this year, it really has been remarkable to me. When he showed up out of extended, I'm like, oh, man, this guy needs to get moved off shortstop like today. But as it's gone on, his movements have gotten really looser, and yeah, you could tell it was still the back bothering him, and he was stiff really when he showed up. It's it's playing much much better. He's moving better. Uh, he's more lied. He's showing off the arm better. And I'm like, you know, there is still a world in which he's a 35 home run hitting shortstop, and there's like nothing more valuable. <laughs> that a right. Player I mean, again, Corey be. Seager,
1: right? Like this is like a, a, Corey Seager has Corey never Seager been is... able to
0: field particularly well.
1: Yeah, and, and I think
0: I think okay. people are going to look bad, uh, not to cast aspersions on your good folks at baseball prospectus. People are mistaking the strikeout rate for swing and miss issues with Marco Luciano. He is not swinging and missing that much. He is working counts, which is leading to a lot of three two strikeouts. A lot of which are looking. If you look at swinging strike percentage. Mm-hmm. Marco Luciano's swinging strike percentage this year is 12.7%. His strikeout rate is over 30%, but his swinging strike is just 12.7%. is really low, and that should pull the strikeout rate down to it at some point. Von Brown is almost twice that. He's at t- up yep. to over 21%. That's where you have swing and miss concerns. But Luciano is not swinging and missing that much. He's striking out because he's trying to do something... Uh, development wise. And I think it's going to pay dividends in the end.
1: There is, I mean, again, obviously, you know, you and I aren't draft guys. We wait till the giants make their picks. And then you really look (laughs) at those guys. There is maybe three hitters in this class who would get picked above Marco Luciano. If we threw him in this class, you know, and he's, and, and I think he's like 20 days older than Dylan Cruz, right? Like, like they're basically peers at this point. Like, It's it's there's I mean again it's it's really easy for people I think to get prospect fatigue and I think again a guy like Luciano I think is the perfect example because. He was like the first of these names, right? Because he was the top signing in the Matos class. So Matos wasn't as big a name. So, like, Matos didn't become a name people knew till 2021. Harrison was obviously the 2020 draft, Bailey, the 2020 draft. Like, and so Luciano's the first kind of, honestly, I think Elliot Ramos is kind of this camp as well. Uh, obviously, not necessarily with the upside of these guys yeah. anymore, but I think still someone who's more of a prospect than people acknowledge at this point. Um, and so I just think there's this fatigue. And again, you have the injuries in there, so people get frustrated with that. But the other thing is, again, it's like injuries are a reason for concern. I don't want to like dismiss that. But injuries are also an explanation for why some tools maybe aren't playing as well. Why, yeah, maybe he isn't looked as good at shortstop in your looks because, yeah, the back's tightening up or he's still sort of loosening up. And so, you know, again, that that's... No, I, I 100% agree with you. What I've seen from Luciano this year at AA, it's been a very big case of... I could see him, I don't, I mean, honestly, he's training towards, I think we see him at Sacramento this year. I feel like if we see Luciano at Sacramento, I think he could hit like 10 homers and seven games. I mean, like, I I think, I mean, again, I don't know if he's going to make his big league debut this year just because of other things. And, you know, the, the roster's kind of cramped, but I, You know, we've seen. I mean, this is the story of the Giants farm system. My as long as I can remember, right, is like if the hitter is doing okay at Double A and then gets promoted to Triple A, they usually just do something incredible. And you know, it's whether it's David Br or Adam Duvall or especially the big power guys and luciano has probably as good if not better power than every one of those guys before and again that doesn't mean you know again the pitch is going to be better the breaking ball is going to be better, all that stuff is going to be there but i'm not see i have not seen a thing from luciano where it's like oh yeah i am worried about what triple a pitching is going to do against that like so far it's been fairly like no i think i think this is working like i i think uh this will be okay and Man, I just want—I kind of just want to see like Marco Luciano play in the Pacific Coast League for a bit, just to see what he does. You know?
0: <laughs> yeah, he could mash. All right, let's uh, let's switch directions here a little bit. Um, we are coming up now. As soon as the draft ends, we start talking trade deadline. Oh yeah. Um, and I think it's pretty clear the Giants are one in the thick of things uh, in a in a National League that is fairly weak, I think, this year. I don't think that gets quite as much attention as it should, that the National League outside of the Braves is a pretty down group of talent. Uh, the Giants are in the thick of things, and they have places they need improving. When you look at the farm system, who are who are likely guys who could entice meaningful returns? Who are guys you look at yeah. and say, yeah, this is someone who probably could be part of uh, a trade in the coming weeks?
1: I'll say this, and okay, I'm going to give the very uh, open ended answer that probably is what (laughs) Farhan Zaidi would give you if he asked. Because we actually asked Farhan Zaidi something along this. Someone asked him if anyone was untouchable. The only person that sort of we've talked about or that is in this system that, if traded, I would like truly, truly be shocked is Patrick Bailey. That's the only one who I would be like, blindsided by i think there is a scenario i I think if a dylan cease becomes available i think kyle harrison could again i don't i want to be clear i'm not saying that's likely right but i'm saying is like it it, because so much of it's going to come down to is who gets put on the market there's again if the padres tank out of the all-star break and juan soto is on the market i don't think the giants are gonna like i think there is like i think anyone kind of but comes into the equation for, the, and again, I think there are scenarios for that to happen. That said, again, sort of where things are trending now, or again, yeah, Otani's not getting traded, but you know. Um, so, sort of in that next tier, right, sort of the, the likely kind of where they're shopping, again, I think Grant McCrae is an obvious one just because he falls in that category of tooled up outfielder, will soon be 40 man eligible for the Rule 5 draft, is far away outfield in the system is fairly deep. You have Luis Matos who looks like, you know, McCray's biggest asset looking ahead right now is his defense in center field, which don't get me wrong. It's not in that. That has a lot of value, but Luis Matos looks like a pretty good defensive center field. You're going forward. And, you know, if that's how you're trending, it makes it a bit easier. Von Brown, you know, again i still think there's a lot of keon broxton and von brown's potential upside but that's yeah. still another center fielder you're you're potentially talking about so i think grant mcrae is someone um who other teams would be like uh, there's other teams out there who'd be saying yeah we'll, we'll roster this guy in the offseason no problem you know again honestly mcrae and alexander canario have a lot, have a lot of comparability i think you know again hayden birdsong and caleb killian have a lot of comparability although i think birdsong honestly is a a little bit better as a prospect than killian was um at this point um i mean the interesting thing right is it's hard to get the tendencies of the giants front office like obviously beyond the like 40-man roster spots if you aren't that close probably make you expendable but we also don't have a lot of test cases like if we follow the forty-man rule, a guy like Arteaga is someone who I think every team, I think a lot of teams would like. He's a really good glove defensive shortstop. He's again not looking great at Eugene as a hitter, but not looking bad, and is still incredibly young. But the Giants have also never had a forty-man choice on a really good defensive shortstop like Arteaga. And despite drafting Maui Yahuna, you know, and I will say they they did draft two college shortstops high, which makes me wonder if part of that is. Beefing up a position that they they think they might be moving from, but again, not you know Maui is the best defensive shortstop of that group, and he has some huge hit tool questions. And so again, I, I'm curious to see how that plays out. Um, but yeah, I think those are kind of like I think the centerpiece types uh, for again, we're not talking the Dylan Cease, we're not talking the super big controllable pieces, just because if those guys hit the market, it kind of becomes a you know there's a lot of ways you can go about that, you know. Casey Schmidt could even, you know, hit a package we haven't really touched on. So <laughs> I-, I lean towards like a Grant McRae, a Mason Black, a Iverson Artiaga. The reason I lean towards Black is because I think uh, Black and Wizen Hunt are kind of peers, and I think they will. I think they prioritize Wiz and Hunt. He's also a little further from like more roster flexibility. So I think if you're, if you're looking at a place where we have some upper minors pitching to trade, I mean, again, there's also like the Keaton Wynn, Tristan Beck guys who are going to be very inti- intriguing to, t- you know, like if a, you know, a team like the Cubs is shopping, Marcus Stroman is like, well, he's a rental. So you're going to get a discounted, you know, mm-hmm. up return. Well, Tristan Beck, man, can he start in the bigs? He at least has shown he's an effective swing man, like yeah. to get, a guy for a rental who we can immediately at least put in our pitching staff and potentially a rotation. um, I I think as well. So it's, I mean, again, the giant system is deep. We've been talking about this for a while, Roger. I I think the system is deep and we are also this year. And I can talk from, again, I'm not as well versed as a lot of other people when it comes to the global dynamics of farm systems. But one thing the people at BP were talking about is, a lot, a lot, a lot of the top prospects have taken steps back this year across the league. Yeah. It's just been the trend. It's been, and I think part of it is the new uh, prospect promotion incentive where basically t- there's incentives now for teams to promote aggressively top prospects quicker, which gets them to the big leagues quicker, which usually means it takes them off the trade market because they're already in big league roles. And then the guys who aren't getting promoted, it's it's because they're holding back. The Giants are one of the few systems, I think, who you're looking up and down. Like there's been a lot of guys training in the right direction. So I really I really think they have some weight. To throw around here because, again, they have a 26 man roster crunch right now. They have a 40 man roster crunch right now. And they have even, again, guys like Haralmi Maldonado who aren't close to that, but are far enough away with huge upside that if I'm a if I'm a seller, you know, I could get a Maldonado or or someone to that effect. Um, it's, It's really enticing me. Yeah, it, it will be interesting. There's always shocks at, at the trade deadline.
0: Uh, I don't think Otani's getting moved, you know, but he's going to dominate talk. Juan Soto. I know. I know. Uh, Andy Baggerly keeps talking about would the would the Padres move Juan Soto, and it makes sense from a baseball perspective. But I always get hung up on the idea of isn't essentially AJ Preller signing his firing document if exactly. he does that. I mean, it's really hard for me to see him doing that, but I think you, you put your finger on a lot of, a lot of guys, McCray and Artiaga are going to be 40 man decisions this year. So you start thinking, well, you know, do we want them on our 40 man? And if not, they are very attractive items to other teams. Uh, there's some, there are are a bunch of like lower level guys like that too. Like Ben Madison, I think does not get on the 40 man this year, but he's a really interesting rule five guy. So tossing him into a, a trade would kind of make sense. Uh, uh, Rodriguez, I've talked about like that. I, I
1: definitely expect us to see at the at a minimum, like you know the remember in twenty twenty the Tony Watson trade where it's yeah. like the Giants traded like Sam Selman, Ivan Armstrong, and I was an to Armst- for Tony Watson, and I'm like. Any one of those guys should have been enough for, for Watson, but it was also a case Armstrong was going to be a minor league free agent. Uh, Marte was going to be 40 man eligible was going to get rule fived. And Selman, they were going to DFA for Watson's spot. So they just gave them all the angels. So I wouldn't be shocked. There's some deal where it's like Madison here's, or Randy here's Rodriguez. Some yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But you're buying in bulk because they all come with risk. And, and you know, it's y- Yvonne Armstrong, who that year was was really phenomenal at mm-hmm. San Jose. He was throwing a 98 mile an hour sinker that looked kind of like Brewster Gretel, but... You know we're two years down the line and he's getting beat up in, in high A and double A. He wasn't ready, they were right about that. So, those kind of arms can go. And I do think, you know, generally at the deadline, you don't want to deal off the major league roster because yeah. you want to add, not subtract. But Tristan Beck, Jacob Junis um Keaton Wynn I, I these are really these guys who would be appealing to other teams I think certainly Wynn and Beck could start in the majors I think Wynn is a starter uh, I, need I to... actually have him in I think in my top five uh in in the season wow. re-ranking uh okay. because the guy just throws 98 he throws yeah. strikes and he's got uh, a plus pitch that gets swing and miss that's that's a pretty good package uh, yeah. uh for a guy
1: what yeah were you no, about I... to say? I was just going to say is the thing I've been harping on. I need to write it up, but is like I my, the trade I see happening is uh like Tristan Beck or Sean Jelly, one of those arms, David VR, Grant McRae, and yeah. Sean Mania to the Tigers for Eduardo Rodriguez. That's the deal I see happening where Scott Harris grabs some of the like upper peripheral roster depth. And like, again, if you've seen Detroit's third base, David VR is is, they need David. I mean, honestly, it'd be good for David to get some everyday playing time. But but like that is is where, you know, like I I just kind of see a place like that. And again, I'm waiting for Harris to kind of come. All right. We're the Tigers. We do not have the systems at the Giants. So let me poach some of my favorite names here and 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 help me out over here.
0: I really have my eye on the Mets, because if the Mets decide to sell, the Giants were after Max Scherzer in 2021. They were after Max Scherzer in the winter of 2022. If yeah. he becomes available with what one year left on that deal.
1: I yeah, think, and and that, that money's going to take to a lot of teams out of it too, right? It will. Like, so so it also really depletes um the the market. No, I mean again that's that's absolutely um that's true. Yeah, I mean it's, it's tough because the thing is the NL is such a mess, right? Like there's really <laughs> – like if I'm the Padres, if I'm the Mets, I don't think I'm that much worse than a team no. like the Giants to sell. Like if I'm in no. those front offices, it, it really comes down to what the Mets and Padres, right? It's all about ownership. It's what is Steve Cohen's barometer right now? What is uh, Jarrett's? Se- not Jarrett's. that's my <laughs> – what <laughs> is uh, Peter Seidler's um, – but you know what are their temperatures right now because that's ultimately what it comes down to because they still got talent they they could honestly again both of those teams have holes that are honestly fairly doable to plug at a deadline on a rental level and potentially you know give it a shot right yeah. but the issue is you know the, you have the luxury tax and you have just you know sometimes owners say Oh yeah we we tried this thing um and again like with the Padres AJ Preller, this is it. If it don't work, you know, like I, I can't see. Uh, he's gotten so much, uh, such a long leash already that like, it's it's you, buddy. If it ain't, you know if if this isn't it, so if to me if yeah. they sell, that's also a sign they're going to be having a, a new hire this off season to run their organization.
0: I'll say this: I think he's more likely to trade for Shohei than he is to trade one set away. And they could do it. Everyone talks about, oh, they've emptied their farm system. No, they Jackson, have. Not. Jackson Merrill, Jackson Merrill, Ethan, Merrill, Ethan Salas. Salas. I mean, yeah. come on, they're loaded. Okay, last topic, and then we'll get out of here because uh, we're we're going on forever. The second half of the year, what are the most important, maybe two or three, whether it's promotions, whether it's developments for certain players, um, what's the most important thing you want to see before the end of the year out of the Giants farm system?
1: Ooh, there's a lot of fun ones. Um, I mean, so many. I mean, I- I'll keep it simple and kind of just stick with Luciano. Like, I want to see him trend up. I'd love for Luciano to finish the season strong, and just give us some mash. And I hope I- you can, you know, you you hadn't seen a Luciano homer before this year. <laughs> I want you to see 15 before this year. And you know, we get him up to Sacramento, and you know, it wouldn't, you know, and again, the fact is, I- I'm pretty sure this is Brandon Crawford's probably last big league season, and if not, uh, at least probably with the Giants, and. Um, so I, I mean, I think the biggest one in a more immediate is Casey Schmidt, right? Like figuring out what what's happening with him at the plate right now at the big league level, um, proving he's more than a really good defensive bench bat, which again, I, I, I think he has it in him. He's still a 50 grade player for me when I'm, when I was sort of doing things, but, um, you know, finding a role for him on the big league level, just cause again, it's, if this is like, who's the shortstop going forward, if they don't acquire someone who's super you know uh, if they don't acquire someone at the deadline there's a spot for a guy like Schmidt Um, but again I I think about Luciano in that vein too because like you said the defense is trending up like he could play himself into that again maybe not this season but play himself into we're going into next year and Schmidt and Luciano are competing in spring training for that everyday spot. And maybe a couple minor league signings or, you know, some other pieces. So I, th- I think for the immediate team future, I think shortstop is the big one because also when you look at it, the up the middle positions, right. You know, the the, 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 what you, where you build from. Well, Patrick Bailey's he's got catcher. Luis Matos has probably got center field and Tyro Estrada has got second base and brandon crawford has been that staple at shortstop and he's the one who's who like that's the the spot so i think for the most like in terms of giants near and long term kind of that that synergy it's the shortstop position again i love iverson artiaga i think in a few years he could very easily be a guy even if luciano or schmidt takes it that he pushes a schmidt to third or a luciano to the outfield or whatever um and oh god i'm Now I'm dreaming of a a Arteaga Schmidt (laughs) uh, shortstop third base down the line. Um, But, you know, in the more immediate future, I think Schmidt and Luciano, I could both envision being the starting shortstop on this team opening day 2024. And so I think that's the most relevant. Because again, we can talk pitching and Wizenhunt hunt and black and all these things, but ultimately they have a lot of guys under contract for next year already. And Beck and Wynn are already there and 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 they've shown an ability to find solid arms in free agency fairly consistently. So I think shortstop is the is the is the thing I'm watching most closely.
0: Yeah, I would totally agree with you. I I really want to see Luciano's sort of results um equal the process that I'm seeing and, and see the numbers come on it, it, It's easy to say, you want to see all the guys who've had bad for staff, you know, have good you know, Grant McRae was on the hot sheet this week. Facebook yeah. America's hot sheet. He's turning it around. It'd be nice to see you. Oh, have a good second half.
1: This is just Elliot Ramos. I, I, I would, it'd be so awesome for, for him to, uh, I mean, again, obviously we're talking on the heels of the most, the best stretch of his upper minor league career. Um, which is one week again i want to be clear (laughs) it is one week in the pacific coast league um but again like for team needs and like for team fit that's not as big of a deal again because matos these other guys have emerged but you know again i i just prospect fatigue is a thing that you know you and i really have to fight with our readers a lot of the time i think because and, and fans and you know for us who like see how hard these guys work and like know like Again, Elliot Ramos is still 23 years old. He's younger than Vaughn Brown. Like, he's younger <laughs> than a lot of these guys. He's younger than dudes who got drafted. Um, You know, Kiwi Tang, honestly, another guy. He's, he's only 24. And it, like, it he's feels younger like, than Casey you
0: know, Schmidt, isn't he? Is, he, is, is Yes. Ramos than Casey Smith?
1: Schmidt and Patrick Bailey are both, I think, 24. And yeah. Ramos is still 23. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, again, I thought when I saw Ramos early this year in the big leagues, as much as he was struggling, it felt to me, I was like, I was seeing progress. Like, and there was a little bit in the numbers. Again, like he had a really low bar to cross for progress (laughs) given how much he struggled in in terms of elevating but I saw signs and again sometimes you know again there's that little trend and there's a little plateau before you get the breakthrough so it'd be I just love for love for for him to get a breakthrough even if it's maybe he's having he has a good couple weeks and he's a guy who gets moved at the deadline right and finds something else where Joey Bart a sort of similar kind of story right where yeah Ramos and Bart maybe aren't the most important prospects for the future of the Giants but yeah I just like the you know I don't like guys to be viewed as bust I, I want I want you know I, I want every player who has those high expectations to at least have um, some part of their story that, that that has some some positive arc to it so
0: yeah we want to see Elliot's first uh, major league home run come yeah. and, and, and you know he's eligible to come off the 60 day in a week they're missing right-handed power uh, I would not at all be surprised if he gets another look this month uh, leading up to the the deadline and I, I since uh, I totally agree with you on Luciano uh, I'll go the other side of the the ladder completely and say uh, I'm going to be fascinated to see how Bryce Eldridge is handled uh, oh. in, in the complex league uh, to see kind of how often he hits, how often he pitches. That's going to be a really fun story to follow. Um, okay. Mark, uh, you are covering the majors, you cover the minors. What do you got coming out uh, for us that we have to read uh, in the, in the coming days?
1: Oh gosh. I write too much. Um, I, You know, probably <laughs> you. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's a great point that's a great point we write too much Raj. what do we do to ourselves um no uh renzi and i are, are going to be working on as i imagine you are as well some pretty more in-depth comprehensive kind of draft stuff talking to more folks just to to get some more info on uh, the prospects uh that the giants have added to the system um so so that's probably the, the thing on the near uh horizon obviously we'll be I always love making fictional trade packages for potential deadline (laughs) deals. I'll be doing plenty of that. Um, Probably going to have a little uh, feature on Brett Wisely coming out. I think he's a guy who, um, I mean, he's done really well at AAA. And again, his struggles with the big leagues at the plate, I think, have a lot of fans soured on but again he's still only again 20s the age of Bailey and Schmidt and i, I think there's some intriguing tools there and he's a guy too you can very easily tell the org is very high on and yeah. uh so um i'll have a little piece with there with some interesting quotes on sort of his development and uh some other folks um on him and honestly uh whatever happens with the giants i'll be writing about so uh so we'll see
0: uh well i can't wait to to read it all uh for folks on my site uh, i i just put up uh, halfway organizational all-stars out this week. I have a re-ranked top 30 this week. I'm going to have a post on kind of the major storylines of the first half of the year, player development-wise. Uh, so plenty of good stuff coming out. If you want to become a subscriber, just go to their Giants.com, uh, the initial R, like Roger. Uh, just want to I... say
1: before you before you <laughs> do end this, yesterday, it was a very fun moment. Like yesterday in that press conference with Michael Holmes after the draft, like me and you, and like Maria Gordado, Steve Corona, like. But it was just a very like surreal moment. Is like to be again. Like uh, I think both of us have had a lot of these last couple years of like sort of moving from like we were giant we were uh we were giants, Twitter folks. Like we were just talking prospects and have now like gotten to see all these things up close. So anyway, that was a very fun moment for me just to be like R- Roger and I are half of the reporters here. Like this is this is. That, that that was a
0: little unusual um so yeah you read the we get the the actual quotes the quotes like the beat yes. guys uh at our site uh thanks mark for joining me and uh and having a great chat about giants prospects thanks everyone for listening i'll be back next week with more giants related content here on their giants thanks thanks mark